Thanks, Brenna. So good. Uh, it's a joy to be with you and see those of you right here in the room. Thank you for coming. Isn't it good to be back together again more and more? Isn't that important in our lives? And then uh, those of you online, just thank you for joining us uh, digitally and uh, uh, continuing to uh, support us and uh, join us in that way. And as it's already been said, this is week three of this series called Eternal Today. And basically what the purpose of the series is, is this, is that we want to remind ourselves um, how the resurrection of Jesus matters right now in our lives. We know that the resurrection of Jesus matters in eternity, but how is it that it matters right now as you and I go to work tomorrow morning, as you and I go home and have Sunday dinner? How does it matter right now? And uh, in order to get at this, I want to review a context of the story of God that Kurt Vanderweel actually taught two weeks ago right in here and online. And uh, the reason we're doing this context is it's hard to see how much the resurrection changed the story of God and our lives unless we see what the whole story of God is. And so um, let me take just a minute to um, review with you uh, this story of God. And by the way, kids, this would be a good way for you to ask yourselves, do I know the story of God? And so the first chapter of the story of God, Kurt labeled formless. And it described in one verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2, and it says this, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And another way of saying that is there was nothing, of, nothing but God since forever. That's a long chapter. There was nothing but God since forever, formless. And then one day, Genesis 1-3, his story changes. And we labeled it very good. And what changed? Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, separate the light from the darkness. And there was separation. And then God said, let there be plants and let there be animals and let there be fish and let there be a man. And he said, that's not very good said, that is not good. And he said, oh, let there be a woman with the man. So they have community. He said, that is very good. Now what I've created is very good. Very good happened in the Garden of Eden, the story of God. The reason chapter 2 is so important here, very good, is because we get hints for chapter 6 from Eden. Let's go to chapter 3 of the story of God. Really important part of the story. It's called Banished. Banished. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve chose sin. They chose to disobey God. And uh, they were in a perfect garden, and they had a perfect relationship with God, and he came and walked with them personally in the, in the evening. And they chose, just like you and I would have chosen, they chose to put themselves more important than God and even try to be like God. And you and I do that. And God cursed them and kicked them out of the garden, and they were banished. Everything changed again. Three chapters, three huge changes. Now, they live in our world today as it is. And this is the rest of the Old Testament, chapter 4. The dwelling place. This is where um, the Old Testament of the Bible, if you've read the Old Testament, you go, wow, it feels so different than the New Testament. Yeah, it does. Why is that? It's because God is uh, in his dwelling place only. What does that mean? Where does God live in the Old Testament? He lives in the Holy of Holies in the temple. He lives in a very few prophets. He comes in a fire. 
and he comes in the clouds. But he's not let loose. He's not everywhere like he is today. And so the Old Testament, God stays in his dwelling place. And that's a different chapter. And now we're ready for chapter 5. And the source of chapter 5 is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus defeats death. Jesus walks out of the grave. Just like that song they just sang, he walks out of the grave. And again, chapter 5, the world changes. That's where we live right now. What changed? It's described in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, the New Testament. This is a new era. A new chapter begins. This is our now at the resurrection. Let me just say a word about the final chapter, then we're going to come back and focus on our now. The final chapter, titled, Everything New, All Things New. That's our not yet. We're not there. If you're sitting here and you're alive this morning, you're not there. Where God makes everything new. We're still in the now. We're not in the not yet. Okay. Sometimes, this is probably from my youth ministry days, I like graphics. I like to look at something other than a picture. So let's just say for a minute, this is the world. What a world it is. God made it. Now, the Garden of Eden is over there somewhere, but we're living in the world. And chapter 4, God's in his dwelling place, right? He's in the temple, holy of holies. He's in the fire. He's in the cloud. He's in a couple prophets. But man, there is not a lot of God in that world. Then Jesus, is arrested and killed and lived. And then the power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that the Bible says lives inside of you and me today. Wow. God is loose in the world. The resurrection changes the dynamics of this world. And then you know what? A few weeks after the resurrection, you know what God did? He sent the Holy Spirit kind of like a booster shot. God is like crazy in this world. And this is our chapter we live in now. We live in this chapter where God has been let loose. I taught here uh, six weeks ago, and I told the story from the cemetery with my three family members. I don't want to tell the whole story again, but it's important because of this picture of the world. As I stood there in front of three caskets, and uh, Ben, Charlie, and Bailey were being buried, three family members that were killed in Iraq, if you don't know. Um, I said I was having trouble breathing. I was having trouble getting through that moment. And then all of a sudden, the words, um, never has the resurrection of Jesus meant so much to me, came to my mind. And I want to say a word because chapters 5 and 6 came together in that moment. Over here, chapters 5 and 6. Because I was thinking, where are Ben, Charlie, and Bailey? Because Jesus defeated death. And I thought, they're in heaven. They're in my not yet. They know things I'll never know, right? 
And some of you have been to funerals in the past year, and you've had those thoughts about people that you've buried. They're where all things are new. But wait. This is the thought I just had in the past couple weeks. His resurrection didn't change their destiny. It changed me. As I was standing there in front of three caskets trying to figure out how to help my family, my, when I thought those words, my heart rate slowed down. My breathing got calmer. My despair was pushed back a bit. I found a touch of calmness and peace and a tiny, tiny glimmer of hope eked out to my soul. And it gave me strength. And it gave me hope. And it gave me purpose. And now I had the ability to help our family for the rest of that day and for weeks to come. It changed me. How did it do it? The power of God was at that cemetery. The power of God is in your world and my world. The Bible says it this way, in his great mercy... He has given us, this is 1 Peter 1.3, in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have new hope because of the resurrection and our changed world. This is a new day. Jesus talked about it this way. In John 16.33, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me, even in a cemetery, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Now wait, 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 wait. Why the trouble? Why the pain? What's up here? Ah, there's other kingdoms at loose in our world. The kingdom of God, the power of God, isn't the only uh, power in our world. There are other kingdoms. Let me name a couple. There's the kingdom of evil. Here's what the Bible says. Um, For our struggle here is not against flesh and blood, other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There's a kingdom of evil, and there's an evil one who prowls around this world trying to disrupt and discourage and lie and defeat In fact, John 10.10 calls him a thief. It says this, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy in our world. But Jesus says, I've come so you can have hope and life and have it to the full. The kingdom of even. When a dictator across the seas or even here in our continent uh, uh, annihilates an entire village of men, women, and children, that has a name. Evil. When a gunman goes into a school and shoots children, that has a name. Evil. When a woman is raped or a man is murdered in an alley, that has a name. Again, evil. When a child is killed on the road by a drunk driver, we have a name for that. The Bible calls it evil. People hurt in the name of religion or God or Christian faith, evil. Thousands of children who starved to death yesterday in a world where there's plenty of food. Evil. We have an enemy who prowls around and tries to disrupt, discourage, and lie and defeat our lives. And that's what makes the resurrection even more important. 
There's another kingdom on the loose. It's the kingdom of self. Self. I was telling my oldest son this, and he said, I think that's the toughest kingdom of all, the kingdom of self. Sin is a part of our heritage. It's a part of our DNA. We were born with it. And there's darkness and wrongness within us. And we want to be our own God. And we want to do what we want. And we don't really care sometimes if we hurt people. Uh, Romans 3.23, for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. Everyone, a baby. We say that at baptisms. We say it at funerals. We are all sinners. Every single day, you and I choose to live for ourselves. Now, here's the important question. As you perceive our world, as you look at it, as you observe it, as you participate in it, as you experience our world, where is your focus? Is it the kingdom of evil? Or the kingdom of self? Or the kingdom of the resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God? What gets your focus? Am I going to be part of the problem and focus mostly on the evil? we got to name evil. we got to know it's there. Or am I going to put my focus on what God is doing? God's kingdom is near, said Jesus. And then he prayed for it. He said, uh, uh, Father in heaven, uh, may thy kingdom come here as it is in heaven. And so I've been looking for the kingdom just to challenge us. <laughs> Excuse me, can you see it? So when foster parents choose to bring a new child into their home, and we have a lot of those in our congregation and in our city, or when parents choose to adopt a child that's not biologically theirs, you know what I see? When they love them and give them a safe place and care for them, you know what I see? I see the kingdom of God. When a follower of Jesus follows a prompting, they just think, hey, this would be a good thing to do, and then they actually do it. You know what I see? I see the kingdom of God. We have a person in our church. I don't know who it is. I've never been able to find out. Somebody knows, but I don't who when a family has a need for prayer, they often write them a very long letter filled with scriptures and prayer requests, and then they send it to the family. I've gotten two or three of these. It's unbelievable. I got one after the funeral. Just this, there's this letter. Some of you have gotten these. I know you have. You're shaking your heads. I don't know who writes those, but somebody does. You know, when I, when, I, when I open that envelope and I start to read that heartfelt letter, you know what I see? The kingdom of God breaking through. We have a neighbor. We had her. She died now. But we, we had a neighbor last summer, Ida Schmedeke. She lived next door. She was on oxygen. She had a walker. Uh, she was looking out her window one day, and she saw some Amish uh, construction guys doing the roof across the street. Did I say she has an oxygen tank and a walker? She cooked some cookies. She got some uh, bottled juice. She put them all in a bag with her walker. She, I'm, I'm watching this from my backyard. She walks across the street to these roofers, these Amish guys. They're trying to get their work done. There's a tree there. She goes, hey, you guys, come off that roof. I've got some juice and cookies for you, and you're going to eat them. <laughs> these guys did it. She had a nice little chat with them. Later in the day, we were packing up, and I just walked by, and I said, that's something. You know what they said? 
That does not happen enough. In fact, it's never happened before. Did I say walker and oxygen tank? <laughs> You're never too old to participate in the kingdom. So I've been looking for the kingdom. I was out walking the other day on a bike path. And there was a, a young man uh, teaching his five, four or five-year-old daughter to ride her bike. And it was a touch and go. And uh, he was running along. And so I stopped and I said, hey, you're doing pretty good. And then I got down. The little girl says, well, I'm good on straightaways, but I'm terrible on corners. <laughs> and I thought, that's the kingdom of God. Do you see it? In your life, do you see it? God's power is let loose. Now, sometimes the kingdom of self gets in the way. I was at high V. Oh, gosh, I hate to admit this. I'm three of us in line, late, older lady. And when I say older, <laughs> it's old. An older lady, cart full of stuff, one thing at a time. You know, doing the best she could but I'm getting a little impatient. You know, I'm in a hurry. I don't know where I'm in a hurry to. There's nowhere to go. Uh, and there's a young, maybe 25, 30-year-old uh, person, oh, young lady in front of me with two items. And the lady takes quite a while to get her card up on, and then they scan it all. And then she takes her bank card and puts it in, and she can't get it to work. And then she takes a credit card and puts it in and can't get it to work. Uh, you know what's happening in me. The 25-year-old lady with two items sets them on the counter and tries to get her card to work, and it doesn't work. She reaches in her purse, takes out her bank card, does it, and says, hey, I want you to have a good day. And the woman, the older lady, goes, you can't do that. He goes, oh, yeah, I can. I just did. $104. I thought, that lady has the kingdom, not me. Do you see it? You know, you can't serve the evil one with generosity and love and kindness. And you can't serve Jesus with hate and selfishness and greed. So when you see those positive characteristics of love, it's the kingdom, whether they even know it or not. Because God's power is loose. Okay, I have to tell one more story because I think God wants me to tell this story because he just did it to me this week, a couple days ago. He's pointing out, Dave, you're a jerk. You have a lot of self in you. I'm at McDonald's, drive through window. The lady in front of us, again, is older, and um, she's taking extra time at the window. And, of course, I have nowhere to go, but I think I'm in a hurry. And so I get up to the window, and the clerk says, Sir, the lady ahead of you just bought your lunches. <laughs> the kingdoms of God is everywhere because of the resurrection of Jesus. And you and I have the opportunities you and I have the opportunities to participate in it. You can participate in it the five minutes after this service by taking an interest in somebody, by giving a smile, even under your masks, uh, by um, taking an interest in being with someone. 
We live in a broken world, right? And there are lots of kingdoms in our world. But we get the choice. What kingdom and how do we operate? Because the kingdom of God, starting with the defeat of death, when Jesus walked out of the grave, it's on the loose. And then the Holy Spirit came with a booster shot. And that spirit, whether you know it or not, lives in each one of us who follow Jesus. All things new. So where is it you're going to put your focus and your energy? And I'm saying in the power of the resurrection of Jesus, you can look there. Now, I want to say a word about the uh, final chapter, chapter 6, all things new. Uh, I had it wrong theologically for a lot of my years. I, I, I thought that the Bible taught one day coming, this world will burn up. Everything of the evil one will be thrown in the pit of fire, yes. But this world will not burn up. Listen. Listen to Revelations 21. Uh, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is John, and he's seeing a dream that's from God. This is the book of Revelation. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Does that sound like the Garden of Eden? God will be with them, and he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Take a look at this. He who, has, who was seated on the throne, that's God the Father, seated on the throne, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. What's chapter 6? When Jesus returns, we don't necessarily go with him. God comes here and makes everything, everything new. Everything. Alice is going to come next week and teach. He even makes your scars new. So in that day, what happens? It's all kingdom. More than you can imagine, more than you can know, more than you can dream. All things. Your disease is made new. Your harmed relationship is made new. Our world is made new. Some of those we've lost will give hugs. Everything is new because of the resurrection of Jesus. Take a look at this final verse. In his great mercy, he has given us, God, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish. When we come in two weeks to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we come to celebrate what that means for eternity, but we come to celebrate what it means for right now, today. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for the life and ministry and words and miracles of Jesus. Thank you so, so much 
that he was willing to die on a cross and then God that you used your power to bring him back to life in the resurrection of Jesus. And thank you so much that it changes everything about your story and about our relationship with you and about where our power comes from and where our hope comes from. Thank you so, so much, dear God, for this message that's so clear in your word that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Now help us put our focus there. Help us be filled with uh, kindness and generosity. Help us be filled with love and less and less with self. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.